Hello, 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 and welcome to Capital Musings, the United Nations Capital Development Fund UNCDF podcast, where we focus on fresh ideas that make finance work for the poor in the 46 least developed countries, or LDCs. This is Eduardo Tancioni, your host, and you can find Capital Musings on your preferred streaming platform or on our dedicated website, podcast.uncdf.org. The time has come for us to move on to new endeavors. You've been with us over the past few months, where together with our guests, we've talked about the 5th UN Conference for the Least Developed Countries, or LDC5. You've traveled with us on the road to Doha to discuss about the needs and priorities for the LDCs over the next decade and what's been described on the Doha Program of Action. Now, it is time for something new, something fresh, something ever so important. This week, we celebrated World's Ocean Day, and this month could not be more of the essence to set up a pathway towards how collectively we can save our oceans and protect our future. That's right. Later this month, the governments of Kenya and Portugal will co-host the Ocean Conference to define actions of the decade of action for the oceans running from 2021 to 2030. The Ocean Conference comes at a critical time as the world is seeking to address many of the deep-rooted problems of our societies laid bare by the COVID-19 pandemic. This will require major structural transformations and common shared solutions anchored in the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. To mobilize action, we at UNCDF have decided to dedicate a new series called Protecting Our Oceans, where we will talk about the specificities, science-based innovative solutions that we can jointly take action on to galvanize global support to our oceans. For the first episode, we have decided to focus on a group of countries with special needs, in some instances also englobing our friends, the least developed countries. What am I referring to? I'm referring to the Small Island Developing States, or SITS, a distinct group of 38 UN member states and 20 non-UN members or associate members of the United Nations Regional Commissions. SITS are located in three geographical regions, the Caribbean, the Pacific, and the Atlantic, Indian Ocean and South China Sea, or AIS. SITS are home to 65 million people, slightly less than 1% of the world population and were recognized as a special case for the environment and development at the 1992 United Nations Conference on Environment and Development held in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. But what are the specific traits that distinct states from any other set of countries? Whilst they present diverse and distinct development trajectories, they share some commonalities for their specific economic, social, and environmental vulnerabilities. In terms of challenges that present structural constraints with a lack of economic diversification, the need for social protection and inclusion, fiscal constraints having indebtedness, barriers to full integration into global economy, and a small scale of their economies with related limitations, for them to compete equally in the global economy. The devil presents environmental challenges, some external exogenous economic and financial shocks, 
due to their geographical remoteness and dispersion and high costs and adverse effects of climate change and natural hazards. Climate change leads to intensified extreme weather events, rising sea levels, ocean acidification, and slow onsets of events, increasing frequency, scale, and intensity of disasters, and threats to water availability and food security and nutrition. All these traits are further exacerbated by the degradation and depletion of natural capital that's being used by states to sustain livelihoods and economy. With low fiscal revenue and inadequate supplies of fresh water and the land needed to manage waste, a unique set of fragility when it comes to biodiversity and full dependence on imported fuels, limited resources to transition to renewable energy, and expensive transport and communication costs with our import and export costs. Cities are experiencing lack of access to disaster financing and sometimes some strained state capacity and service provision, which can lead to further exacerbate local tensions over scarce lands and other resources. That's right, when it comes to SITs, we can also see their participation in what we call a fragile and conflict-affected state. But what are the opportunities for us all to invest in SITs to further flourish when it comes to their path towards the 2030 agenda? First of all, the main opportunity lies on the people themselves, the people of the SITs that are greater resources for them. Given their small size, they can also be conceived as innovation incubators, so microcosm for new technologies and solutions on innovative nature-based solutions, allowing for replication and scale-up. SITs do not only have land, but also jurisdiction over the resources on nearly 20% of the world's Exclusive Economic Zones, or EEZs, and these led them to being recognized and called upon as large ocean states, in some instances, for this reason. They can also present some ecosystem-based approaches to climate change as part of overall adaptation, disaster risk reduction, and resilience strategies for SIDS. So, what are possible solutions for them to flourish over this next decade? Well, there's importance around enhancing adaptive capacity, strengthen resilience, reduce vulnerability in the enabling environment, boosted, as well as enhance allocation of and access to sustainable and predictable financings to build new measures for concessional finance and multidimensional assessments, moving away from income-only assessment of development and graduation readiness and need for private investment. But when it comes to seeds, we've already discussed that they were first recognized in Rio in 1992. But what are some of the general global frameworks that directly look into the seeds and can help us define some of the major elements and some of the major actions that we as a global community can push towards in order to save them and to save our oceans. So the 1992 Rio Declaration contains fundamental principles on which nations can base their future decisions and policies. And 
to do so whilst considering environmental implications of socio-economic development. Within that, there's an important agenda, the Agenda 21, which is a non-binding voluntary implemented plan of action of the Earth Summit committed to addressing the problems of sustainable development for the small island developing states. What this Agenda 21 entail? It entailed adopting methods that enable states to function and cope effectively with environmental change, as well as mitigate the impacts and reduce the threats posed to their marine and coastal resources. The Rio Declaration then was followed up in 1994 by the Barbados Programme of Action, the BPOA, which ultimately aims to define the priorities, cross-sectoral areas and actions and strategies to be undertaken at national, regional and international levels for sustainable development of the small island developing states. It therefore highlighted challenges of converting Agenda 21 into precise strategies, movements and procedures at the national, regional and international levels. 15 areas of priorities for specific action were evidence. And later on, in 1999, the General Assembly recognized urgency for action for seats in five specific areas. First one is climate change. Due to rising sea levels, that could render some low-lying seats submerged. Secondly, we have natural and environmental hazards and climate vulnerability, which is strictly related to that, with an emphasis on improving disaster preparedness and recovery. Following that, we have freshwater resources and the need to prevent water shortages as demand increases. Then we have coastal and marine resources and the need to promote the protection of coastal ecosystems and coral reefs. We have energy with the need to develop solar and renewable energy to lessen dependence on imported oil. Lastly, we have tourism, focusing on the management of the growth of the tourism industry and the protection of the environment and cultural integrity. So here we see not only the environmental aspects, but also the economic aspects and specificities for SIDS that they need in order to flourish. And we can see from the 1994 and the subsequent 1999 resolutions and program of action, the need to look into multifaceted approach to defining actions and priorities for SIDS. So we see both the look into the specificities from an environmental and social standpoint, but also how they may play out in wider macroeconomic situations and microeconomic conditions and how we can safeguard their specific needs in these fora. So the Barbados Programme of Action was then followed by the so-called Mauritius Strategy of Implementation in 2005, which aims to further the implementation of the BPOA, as it says, and emphasize unique challenges of seats with, as well, some proposed solutions. It therefore emphasized the location of seats in the most vulnerable regions of the world in respect of natural and environmental hazards and their rapidly increasing impact. 
It called for a global early warning system covering threats such as tsunamis, storm surges, cyclones, and threats that some major adverse effects of climate change are already being observed in SITS. The Mauritius strategy of implementation in 2005 further recognized the importance of international trade to build resilience and sustainable development, but was also establishing the necessity for international institutions, including financial ones, to pay more specific attention to structural drawbacks of small island developing states. So we've got the Rio Convention, we've got the Rio Declaration, we've got the Barbados Program of Action, we've related 1999 General Assembly Resolution, then we have the Mauritius Strategy, and all of those lead to an important, important agreement when it comes to SIDS that defines a trajectory for all of us to help out SIDS in their strive towards sustainable development. And I'm referring to the SIDS Accelerated Modalities of Action or Samoa Pathway from 2014. That is still the main document, the main modus operandi that helps out all of the different actions on behalf of the various development partners to look up to and to base upon their actions when it comes to supporting SITS towards the 2030 agenda. So the Samoa pathway recognizes the need to support and invest in SITS and presents for the first time the idea of investing in education and training of people of SIDS to create resilient societies and economies with full and productive employment, social protection, and decent work for all. It aims to provide full and equal access to quality education at all levels, to empower communities, to make informed decisions for sustainable living that are rooted in both science and traditional knowledge. Samoa Pathway further promotes and preserves cultural diversity and intercultural dialogue, which provides a mechanism for social cohesion and are essential building blocks for addressing the challenges of social development. Here we see a little bit of the fragility component and important maintaining social cohesion and the need to look into the people not only as a source of economic transformation, but also as a source of peace for it to be maintained. The Samoa pathway reaffirmed that SIDS remained a special case for sustainable development due to their unique and particular vulnerabilities and acknowledged the role of SIDS in advocating for ambitious global efforts to address climate change and raising awareness of the need for bold and urgent action at the global level. Samoa Pathway aims to strengthen resilience and improve adaptive capacity and with developed nations being urged to increase technology, finance and capacity development support to SITS. There's also a promotion and support efforts at all levels to assess, conserve, protect, manage and sustainably use the ocean seas 
and their natural resources in order to boost up support. Now, after 2014, this Samoa pathway basically ran through at like a time frame of 10 years. So to sum up, the Samoa pathway aims to address unique challenges faced by SIDS and to support the development by the five priority areas. First, promote sustainable, sustainable, inclusive and equitable economic growth with decent work for all, sustainable consumption and production and sustainable transportation. Two, act to mitigate climate change and adapt to its impacts by implementing sustainable energy and disaster risk reduction programs. Three, protect the biodiversity of SIDS and care environmental health by mitigating the impact of invasive plants and animal species and by properly managing chemicals and water, including hazardous waste, as well as protecting oceans and seas. Four, improve human health and social development for food security and nutrition, improved water and sanitation, reducing the incidence of no communicable disease, and by promoting gender equity and women's empowerment. Five, foster partnership among SITs, UN entities, development partners and others to achieve these goals. Halfway through the Samoa pathway in 2019, there's been a high-level political declaration and a midterm review on where we stood, how far we have come together in those priorities in support of SIDS. So the high-level political declaration welcomed the ownership, leadership and considerable efforts of SIDS and acknowledges how SIDS continue to grapple with the effects of disasters. First and foremost, it acknowledges partnerships and the value of them, meaningful ones, as a means of supporting a sustainable development seeds and no establishment of the seeds partnerships frameworks, which are so important with a specific toolbox in order to galvanize support and bringing all parties together towards addressing specific needs and vulnerabilities of seeds together, both private, public, civil society, etc., all together towards one goal. Another element that he highlights is gender equality and women's empowerment and how they may have transformative and multiplier effects on sustainable development and are drivers of economic growth in SITs, given the fact that women are powerful agents of change, especially in SITs. Social inclusion is therefore highlighted with progress being made, but poverty, unemployment, inequality, and exclusion continuing to disproportionately affecting people in vulnerable situations. Lastly, it makes reference to the transition from LDC status and how graduation must not disrupt a country's development progress and further highlights the need to develop and implement a viable multi-annual transition strategy to mitigate against, and earlier, the possible loss of concessionary financing, reduce the needs of falling heavily into debt, and ensure macro-financial stability. The high-level political declaration calls for action on multiple priorities. Once to eradicate poverty, 
in all its forms and dimensions, including extreme poverty and the need for implementing national appropriate social protection systems and measures for the poor and the vulnerable. When it comes to MSMEs, it highlights the need to foster, create and expand MSMEs in small island developing states while taking into account national development priorities, circumstances and legislation. When it comes to science, technology and innovation, it aims to promote investments in those spheres as a means of incentivizing innovation entrepreneurship. Investments need to be scaled up for economic growth and diversification and a specific attention needs to be put forward towards sustaining and building resilience of ocean-based economies and creative and cultural industries. That's right, investments need to serve as a means of reducing vulnerability and building resilience. We then have reference to South South and Triangular Cooperation with the need for relevant institutions to learn from each other's efforts and address the diverse circumstances of SITs to better manage transitions and graduation. This sense ODA should continue to focus on countries most in need and the international community expresses willingness to develop a wider analysis of new measures Building on existing experiences with eligibility exceptions for concession of finance and multidimensional assessments to address limitations of an income-only assessment of development and graduation readiness. When it comes to institutional capacity, needs for support to strengthen SID's national institutional capacities to access sustainable development finance including grant concessional climate and disaster relief finance to ensure effective and tailored finance solutions. And the international community commits to exploring innovative and sustainable private sources on financing for blue-green diaspora bonds, for instance, being tailored to the specific circumstances that SITS presents. Enabling environment is first and foremost a means and a precondition to allowing to foster appropriate means towards overcoming the obstacles to the flow of and access to remittances with calls for facilitation to attract foreign direct investments and financing with related capacity to support in this regard. Following that, we have this need to strengthen its capacity to effectively participate in multilateral trading system and where partnerships just be scaled up and developed in a genuine durable fashion with all stakeholders and national, regional, international levels and follow the small island developing state partnership, smart criteria and best practices, which entails for them to be state specific, measurable and monitorable, achievable and accountable, resource-based and resource-focused, a timeline for implementation transparency for all parties. When it comes to disaster risk, these high-level political declaration in the midterm review of the similar pathway aims to call for strengthening cooperation capacity and investment in disaster risk management in the public and private sectors. We need to examine disaster risk-related funding and supporting environment with a view to possible development of a targeted voluntary disaster fund 
mechanism or financial instrument coordinated with and complementary to existing mechanisms to assist states to manage disaster risk and build back better after disasters. On health, the midterm review aims to strengthen national health systems to prevent, detect, and respond to communicable and non-communicable diseases with an aim to enhance resilience of health systems, including by integrating climate change adaptation and disaster risk reduction and management in all health-related activities. Following that, the declaration aims to promote sustainable food systems, accommodating all forms of malnutrition, including undernourishment and obesity, to ensure food security, improve nutrition, foster healthy diets and lifestyle. When it comes to cooperation, this needs to strengthen regional and international ones, exchanges and investments in informal and formal education, including TVETs and skills by strengthening national education systems. When it comes to climate change and the Paris Agreement, this political declaration urges a timely, well-managed and successful replenishment of the Green Climate Fund to contribute to the paradigm shift towards low emission and climate resilience development pathways. On loss and damage, there needs to enhance understanding, strengthen dialogue, and then action support with respect to avert, minimize, and address loss and damage, including through the VARSO International Mechanism for Loss and Damage Associated with Climate Change Impacts to address related loss and damage associated with climate change, including extreme events and slow unsis events. Therefore, urgent action to address the adverse impacts of climate change and support mitigation adaptations through ecosystem-based approaches and natural-based solutions without risking that sustainability. Exploring mechanisms such as their swap initiatives, similar to the ECLAC Debt for Climate Adaptation Swap Initiative. Beyond that, we look at waste and forests. We need to devise innovative approaches in order to safeguard them um, and address it in the fastest and most inclusive fashion. The political declaration therefore calls upon different actors, including UN system, to integrate cities into respective strategic and work plans, WHO to support implementation of health objectives in the summer pathway, UNCTAD to support enhancement of institutional technical capacity for trade expansion and competitiveness, the UN system at large, including international and regional development banks to address water and sanitation challenges, the Committee for Development Policy to give due consideration to the unique vulnerabilities of SITs, relevant institution funds and facilities, including UNCDF, to review the financing instruments to maximize accessibility, effectiveness, transparency, quality and impact in the context of a complex funding environment that presents challenges of SIT for SITs. And for HRLS, the Office of the High Representative of the Least Developed Countries, Landlocked Countries and Small Island Developing States to boost up and set up SIDS partnership frameworks, SIDS focal point networks and SIDS global business networks to fully embrace what the Samoa pathway actually devised in both Para 19 as well as Para 22 
When I say power, I mean paragraph that directly call for strengthening cooperation between the international community and SITS and underscore urgency of finding additional solutions to address the major challenges facing SITS. OHRLS is at the center of dividing the strategies and bringing all parties together to make sure the SITS are no SITS is left behind. This endeavor, in order to define concessional financing, I really invite you and like, you know, how do we allocate funds, especially given the fact that SITS present both developing and a little bit more developed country situations. And due to that, whilst they may be experiencing vulnerabilities related to extreme weather events, as we've discussed, due to climate change, the access to concessional financing is not very much there, given their income-based data as well as results. So what are we doing in order to make sure that there's a common level playing field when it comes to that, then we can boost that support in order to look into how we can bridge the gap between the differing eligibility criteria and the quantum resources required to gain access there to there's an exercise around devising a way to define a multi-dimensional vulnerability index for SIDS. And the high-level political declaration comes from an SDG recommendations Union system work to define it. And there's been some work, especially recently, to devise that. And I really look for, and I really invite you all to have a look into that because it really looks into how conceptually, what possible criteria from a multidimensional standpoint, from an economic, environmental, social element, how they may play out in order to define the level of vulnerabilities and the level of uniqueness and specificity and related support that may need there to, uh, for each specific sit. It's something that is very recent. It's something that is upcoming. It continues to be discussed in the various resolutions at younger level so that we could find a common criterion for access to an allocation of concessional resources among countries. All this to look into how we can devise solutions for SIDS in relation to debt vulnerability in the immediate term and debt sustainability in the long term. The political declaration calls for all development finance institutions and multilateral development banks to revise eligibility criteria, enhance allocation of and access to sustainable, predictable financing, build new measures for concessional finance and multidimensional assessments to address the limitation of an income-only assessment of development and graduation readiness, and explore innovative financial instruments and mechanisms, such as debt for development swaps, debt for climate adaptation swap, blue or green bonds, among others. And throughout this season, we will get partners to talk about how collectively we can leverage the development impact of capital to protect our oceans. And to do so, we'll look into and highlight innovative approaches both in-house and outside of UNCDF and good practices to replicate, further develop and scale up in order to make development cooperation work for seeds and capital work for oceans helping us set on the path of sustainable development. I thank you for joining me today on Capital Musings with this new season, Protecting Our Oceans. 
If you like this episode, please give it a thumbs up, share it with your peers, share it on Instagram, share it on your preferred social media with the hashtag Capital Musings. Tag us. We love to see your comments. Comments really help us out to gain traction, gain interest, and also make sure that these different talks as well as this podcast a lot reaches those who may be interested. Thank you so much again, and I'll see you soon with a new episode of our new season, Protecting Your Oceans. Stay safe, stay well, and until next time.